0: Greetings. This is Pastor Daryl Hall from the Way Community Church, where we are showing people the way to life with Jesus. Welcome to our podcast where you can hear our weekly Sunday sermons. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and also our website, thewaycc.online. All right, let's dive into the word. We have had a, uh, a special month and a half walking through this teaching called Wayfinders and experiencing together what we believe God's ultimate will and vision is for this church. And every time we come together for fellowship, number one, we shouldn't take it for granted. But number two, it gives us an opportunity to reflect on where we are in the process of becoming. And today we've seen some very healthy signs that we are becoming the church that God desires for us to be. I believe our worship is authentic. We have gifted people leading us in worship, but it's the the authenticity of the spirit that makes the giftedness, it redeems that giftedness for the glory of God. If you were here on last week, we commissioned 14 people as wayfinders. So we're sending people out And then today we baptize 10 people. So we are baptizing people in. These are all elements that reflect that the Holy Spirit is at work in this church. And I hope that your heart like mine is full as we experience it. If you would, grab your Bible, join me in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to be. I'm going to bring a conclusion to the series today. Thank God for our band for leading us in worship this morning. Thank God for Greg Kirkland, his brother, and our friend, my brother Zebulon Ellis. Thank God for those in production, doorkeepers, the men of God in the parking lot, everybody who helped with baptism, all the greenhouse servant leaders, we give God praise for you. Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to be, and I'm going to read just the first couple verses, verse 1 through 5. I'll summarize what we've been and then we'll bring a conclusion uh, today. Verse number one, it says now there were prophets and teachers at Antioch in the church that was there. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul while they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set Barnabas and Saul apart for me for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they, what church? Sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God. I want to bring a conclusion to our Wayfinder series with this thought in mind. We are a movement. We are a movement. You may be seated in the presence of our God. We are a movement. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the spirit is still moving and that you have allowed us to be a part of this movement. We don't take for granted what we experience here at The Way. We recognize that this is your church. And that as we are about your mission, that your favor is evident upon us. And we thank you for it. Thank you for those we have brought in. And we thank you for those that we are sending out. I believe, God, that we're going to send wayfinders onto every mountain of culture, into every industry, into every space and crevice where people are. Because we know that you love those who you've yet to draw near, even more than you love those who are already near. That you haven't called us here to be a club or an institution or a religion, but you have brought us here to build us up, to send us out into the athletic space, into the business world, into the legal world, into education, to send us out into our homes as wayfinders, as people who show other people the way to life with you. I thank you for these, your people, and I thank you for this moment we have. In Jesus' name, let every heart say, amen. Amen. We are a movement. Uh, That language is intentional because it reflects the truth about what we should be. And I say that knowing that whenever you hear the word church, all of us automatically have something that comes to mind. When you hear church, you think something. And I don't know what you think, and I don't know what you feel based upon your previous church experience. But my hope is, is that you can set those thoughts aside, that you can bottle up those emotions, especially the negative ones, and give me about 30 minutes to help you appreciate how we are a part of the most important movement in the cosmos we're not an institution. I understand that there is an institutional nature to what we do, especially my job, that I'm responsible to lead our board and others as we seek to manage resources, as we seek to do a good job uh, legally and financially and corporately to create a culture that works together seamlessly. I appreciate that, but we subjugate that to the primary mission of being a movement of wayfinders you see the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts until now has been moving wherever you see a church open in Jesus name that's really about Jesus's work that is the result of the movement of the Holy Spirit and uh and what's so cool about the Spirit is the Spirit can move but the Spirit really loves to move through people <laughs> everybody say this: say the Holy Spirit wants to move through me That's why we've taken time to look at John the Baptizer and, uh, and the woman at the well uh, because they are exemplars of what the Holy Spirit seeks to do through us. There's only one person in the Bible who is above everybody else, and that one person is Jesus. Everybody else is on equal foot at the old rugged cross. So these stories we read about John the Baptist and these stories we read about the woman at the well we should not venerate these people in our minds as if they're made of something better than we are. What we should do is look at their experience with open hearts and, uh, and, and, and appreciation that if God can do it for them and through them, then the same way God intends to do it for us and through us. And so we've asked investigative questions about what a wayfinder is and, and, and why we should become a wayfinder. We've sought to clarify and define this. And if you need to go back and refresh yourself, you can do so on our YouTube, or on our uh, podcast platforms. But today we'll conclude this series, and the big idea for this whole series has been that there is more to church and there is more to me. I hope for the last seven weeks you've really given serious thought to that statement, that there is more to church and there is more to you than just being a spectator of your favorite preacher or just another number on a church roster, or just another person who sits out and only looks upon what God is doing and not someone through whom God is doing it. And so when we look in Acts chapter 13, we see a church on the move. We see a movement, and our hope is, uh, is that the way is a lot like Acts 13, that as the Spirit speaks in people's life, and we see that the Lord has a special plan for folk, that we hold them with an open hand. And anybody the Lord tells us to lay hands on and to send out into various spaces to serve God, that we do so with grateful hearts that we get a chance to be a part of their life. (laughs) Think about the 10 people we just baptized today. Their stories are yet untold. (laughs) But we should be grateful that we get to be a part of this leg of the journey, of this chapter in the book because we never know how the Lord is going to move in their lives from this day forward and how they will reflect upon how their pastor and church was a part of that journey. So what we see is that what happens inside the church is really meant to affect what's going on outside the church, all right? The, the goal is what's inside should, should impact what's going on outside. So last week we started with this, number one, spiritual gifts are nurtured inside the church but shared outside, all right? I'm going to give a quick review. It says that there are prophets and uh, and teachers that were in this church, now, prophet and teacher in this case is talking about the office of prophet and teacher but the office is supported by the gifts and so if you were here last week we put up this differentiator this graph to show you that there are a number of spiritual gifts in God's word and there are only a few offices don't make the mistake of thinking that if you don't have an office in the church that you don't have a gift of the spirit All right, the two are not the same they go hand in hand But an office is not necessary to be gifted. You don't have to be reverend to be anointed. You don't have to be pastor or deacon to be used by God. The reality is every daughter of the divine and every son of the sovereign has already been anointed with at least one spiritual gift. And the question is not if you're gifted. The question is, how are you gifted? Because you are. You are gifted. And God intends to use your gifts for his glory by sending those gifts that are nurtured inside the church to be shared with people outside the church. Then number two, we notice not just that spiritual gifts are nurtured inside the church but shared outside, but number two, anointed people are commissioned inside the church but sent outside. All right, The church has made a grievous mistake in thinking that we're just supposed to be a gathering place. As a matter of fact, we're not a gathering place at all. Gathering should only be leveraged for sending. <laughs> if gathering becomes the focus, then we immediately drift off mission. All right, I'm going to tell you how it happens. I'm going to tell you how it happens. And I think we mean well. Some people don't mean well, but I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt that we mean well. <laughs> all right? All right, you get, you get pastor and people together, and, and we both... Uh, recognize our need for God and how sacred this space is for our connection to God. So then the pastor starts to try to get creative to think of all these different ways to keep people coming back. Right? So the pastor starts out thinking that the preaching will be enough then maybe the singing will be enough. Right? Then the pastor starts adding on these programs. Oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this because we become overly focused on just making sure people want to keep coming. Then on the other side, you got people who love the Lord, right? People who love their church and their pastor. But for whatever reason, there's this this glass ceiling of of confidence where they won't won't rise above just being a church attender. Because something in them, whether it's false doctrine, whether it's a lack of true confidence or false humility or laziness, (laughs) just makes them, you know, want to be okay Being close, but not too close. Saved, but not too saved. Changed, but not too changed. Right? And so what we could create, if we're not careful, is an unhealthy codependency. Right? Where you, you think that the voice of God in your life sounds like my audible voice. That's a mistake. The voice of God in your life does not sound like my audible voice. Because I'm going to tell y'all, I don't always use this voice for good things. (laughs) I say this all the time. At one o'clock, when the Falcons kick off, you be like, Pastor, no! (laughs) We can create an unhealthy codependency where you can think that you only hear from God if you hear from me. And then I could think that God only approves of me if y'all fill this room up. (laughs) So we start unnecessarily basing our closeness to God off of each other, and we've drifted so easily, even with good intentions, off of the main thing. The main thing is not gathering. Gathering is important because it should be leveraged for sending. And anointed people are commissioned inside the church to be sent out. So what does that mean? That means I hope this purifies our relationship because our relationship is a, a, a necessary one. I hope it purifies our relationship such that I don't depend on you to feed my ego and you don't depend on me to pick you up off the ground every week. What we should be moving towards is you come to this place to be strengthened, to be trained, to be equipped, to be blessed, to be related to in a healthy way, so you can build up all the energy you need to go back into the world that you live in, assured that God's anointing is on your life and He sent you there to make a difference somewhere else. I believe, at least for now, that that's a purer engagement for you and me, that anointed people are consecrated or commissioned inside. To be sent outside. I'm not making this up. Acts chapter 13, verse two through three. It says the Holy Spirit spoke. and said, set aside Barnabas and Saul for me because I called them to a work. Then they fastened and prayed, laid their hands on them and did what? Sent them away. Now that sending the interval of time may be different from person to person. But every week we do the benediction, I'm sending you away. For some people like Courtney, she may have to move around in oncology. So we're going to bless Courtney, and we're going to send Courtney out away. Right? For the 12 or 14 who stood up here on the pulpit with me last week, some of them are going to lead life groups in this church, some of them won't. But for some of them, we're going to send them away into what God has called them to do. So whatever world you enter, whatever space you occupy, whatever mountain of culture you're climbing, whatever, whatever area of, of expertise uh, that you use day to day, that you thought was just a job, I hope you can see it now as a calling and a space into which you take your anointed self and you be a blessing to people you encounter there every day, right? You're commissioned to be sent out and you don't have to just be a prophet or a teacher as it were to be commissioned and sent out. We all got different gifts. We all have different abilities, but in our own arena, we will be used by God in a way that'll make an impact that we can never forget. Last week, I talked about three sister girls who've been killing it. Simone Biles, Coco Goff, and Angel Reese. <laughs> and these three chocolate sisters are doing a doggone thing. Simone has won like eight or nine world gymnastic championships in a row. She took a year off for mental health. People thought she was just being emotionally weak or she was really done. Came back after taking a year off and kept on winning. <laughs> right then you got Coco Gauff 19 years old winning the U.S. Open after all she faced in the different matches the little, the little subtle things they were doing to not be fair between her and her opponents all the little things they were saying about what she couldn't do or couldn't become and here she is about a week or two ago ascending to the highest level in her field then the same for Angel Reese who will dunk on you and then go put on some heels. (laughs) All right? Each of these sisters in their own arena shines brightly. If we ask them to leave their arena to go to each other's arena, we dim their light. If we say, Angel, (laughs) stop playing basketball. You're going to be in gymnastics now. Simone, no more flipping. Nope. Get a tennis racket. Coco, no more tennis for you basketball from here on out even if they're athletic they may do well but they won't excel so here's the point the mistake we make sometimes is we look at other people in their arena functioning at their high level and we wish we had what they have or we wish we could do what they could do and we miss the fact that God didn't build you to shoot a basketball he made you to tumble and flip So if you take your gifted self to the wrong arena, you dim your own light by being envious and jealous of somebody else who got different gifts from God. So here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is not only that you would discern by the Holy Spirit what your gifts are. My prayer for you is that you will find the arena you were meant to shine in. That you will find the space that God has ordained for you. Don't you know that you are not a mistake? Your story is not a mistake. Your experiences are not a mistake. Stop letting the things you think you don't have. Put a cap on your confidence of what God can do through you. You ain't got to be like nobody else. You don't have to become nobody else. You don't have to do nothing else other than who you are and what you do. All you need to do is do it to the highest level in the place where God puts you and watch how the Lord will favor you. Watch how the Lord will open doors for you. Is there anybody who can testify reverend you're preaching to me right now because here I am with my blessed self and you can't tell by looking at me not just what I've been through but what the Lord lets me do right now in my life every day. Is anybody amazed by grace with the songs you get to sing and the choir you get to lead and the cases you get to adjudicate and the school you get to lead and the family you get to grow and the arena you get to shine in you ought to give God praise for the gifts he gave you and for the arena he put you in you're commissioned to be sent out we each have a platform we each have a purpose and we each have a people Last week, we talked about platform. Let's spend some time right here talking about purpose. Everybody say purpose. We each have a purpose. And there are three questions of purpose I want to lay on your lap. They're also in the Bible notes if you follow with me there. And these are not original to me. I got these from Todd Wilson and his book, More. When it comes to purpose, here are the three questions of purpose. Who am I created to be? What am I created to do? And where am I created to go? Let me run that back. <laughs> Who am I created to be? I'm gonna tell you, if you don't start asking that question, that question is gonna start asking you. It's really nowhere around it, is it? Like we accept identities that other people give us, we mimic people who we admire, we emulate what we think we would like to be, but at some point, life is going to force us to ask the question, who am I? Who was I created to be? Outside of the context of any other title that would be used to define me, right? So if I, I'm gonna give y'all an example. If I ask myself the question, who am I created to be? I can't answer that question, a pastor. (laughs) No. Mm -mm. I've only been a pastor for like eight months. I've been me for 37 years. If the Lord lets me pastor long enough to retire and then live a long life after that, I won't be a pastor every day of my life. So if I answer the question of who I'm meant to be, with what I get to do right now, I've used something to define me that then confines me. Right? I'm not saying this is an easy question. I'm saying it's a necessary one. And all the soul work you got to do to get clarity on the question of who am I created to be is worth the effort. Even if it takes you two years to answer who am I created to be, that clarity will save you 20 years of trying to be somebody you're not. <laughs> Who am I created to be? We we see it not just through the people in Acts 13, but really through, uh, through a great woman of God. Her name is Tabitha in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. I like Tabitha because Tabitha didn't need the church to lay hands on her to start doing God's work. Acts 13, we see Saul and Barnabas. They're blessed, they're commissioned. Tabitha was commissioned without necessarily needing the title. And Tabitha had clarity on who she was, and from that clarity of who she was in God, she was able to be, do, and go freely. Now, what's interesting about her story is we read about Tabitha posthumously, meaning it's not until she's passed that we read about what she did when she was alive. (laughs) But she lived so intentionally That we can look at one or two verses about old girl and learn who she was created to be, what she was created to do, and where she was created to go. For example, Acts chapter 9, verse 36 says that she excelled in acts of kindness and charity, which she did what, y'all, habitually. (laughs) We can be all nice sometimes, but have you ever got to a point where you're like, okay, now I'm out of nice? (laughs) I am not God. I done gave all I had to give now. (laughs) So how could Tabitha give and be kind and be charitable habitually? Because Tabitha wasn't giving charitably out of her own self. She had the gift of mercy and generosity from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit made it clear who she was meant to be. So whether or not she ever got a title or not, it didn't stop her from being kind and generous and charitable. You don't need a title to be kind. You don't need a position to be generous. (laughs) You don't need to be seen to be charitable. You just need clarity on who I am. Not just who I'm created to be, but then number two, what am I created to do, right? Because my doing should come out of my being. If I use my doing describe my being, then I've just become a human doing. Not a human being. And I had to learn this the hard way. Y'all know during the pandemic, we didn't gather in this place for two years. For two years, I wasn't Reverend Hall. Who am I if I'm not preaching? My wife was like, what hobbies do you have? I was like, besides you? (laughs) None. <laughs> when I can't do, I'm forced to wrestle with, who do I be? Then when I get clarity on who I be, now I can do from a true heart. Now I can go back into spaces God has assigned me, being the person he's created me to be. What am I created to do? Acts 13.5 says they were created to proclaim the word of God. For Tabitha, here's what she was created to do. Tabitha was created to make clothes. That's what she did. Acts chapter 9, verse 39. It says that all the sisters who were were weeping over her loss, they showed the tunics and the garments that Dorcas, that's Tabitha, used to make while she was with them. See, these clothes were more than just garments that they were put on, more than just a wardrobe in a closet. They were symbols of the love of a woman who was truly irreplaceable. Because see, when you do out of your being your doing is done at such a level that what would be regular now becomes extraordinary. <laughs> so she just make clothes, her clothes bless people. We don't just sing songs, we sing songs to bless people. We don't just speak words, we speak the oracles of God. We don't just adjudicate legal matters, we help people get justice. We don't just teach children, we pour into the next generation. We don't just make deliveries. We get there on time and we do it with a good smile. See, when I know who I be, I do what I do at such a level that the oil on me takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary thinking that your job is ordinary. Stop thinking that what you do every day is just regular and average. Don't you understand how much God can do with the regular and the average if you did it with the right mindset? If you went into it understanding that you were already anointed and gifted and commissioned and strengthened and positioned and shaped and created by God designed to do what you do. Ordinary things in extraordinary ways. She made clothes and they never forgot it. Some of us going to have conversations people will never forget. Some of us going to send some encouragement they'll hold on to for the rest of their life. Some of us going to teach kids who will never forget our name. Some of us going to have colleagues who will realize we saved their life when we didn't even know they were on the edge. <laughs> who am I created to be? What am I created to do? And then number three, where am I created to go? See, in these passages, we have uh, uh, locations like Seleucia and Cyprus and Salamis. If you read in the Bible, you're like, why do they keep naming all these cities like <laughs> that? I don't really know how to pronounce. Then we see with, with, with Tabitha in 939, Acts 939, she was in Joppa. They all had a where, a place. Now, part of this is so we can get the geographical certainty of where all this took place. It's, it's, it's like a story in a place. To help us appreciate that this is real history reading. Think about it. Whenever you see a movie, you see a movie and they tell you where it's happening. It was funny, me and Ed, we went on a date last night. It was so cool. We went to the uh Atlanta Symphony Hall to see the Black Panther movie, right? But what was so cold about it was the orchestra was sitting under the screen and all the music, they was playing it live. And the dude who did the drum for the movie, do, 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 do. The same dude who did it for the movie was sitting right there live on stage. To so Charlie walk in. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and what's funny is we sit in Atlanta, Atlanta Symphony Hall and we see that the movie says they're in London, but the building they walked in was the building we were sitting in. And it wasn't until I was sitting in the building that I realized, man, they are not in London. ATL (laughs) what's the point the point is every movie you see every good story is situated in spaces and those spaces add character to the movement of the story and make the plot come alive to you so the question you got to ask God is where is my place where's my place Tabitha was in Joppa these folks started out in one place ended up in another place where is your place now For some of us, that place will be a physical locale. For others of us, that place will be wherever the will of God is. I want to say, all right, let me just think this out, all right? Sometimes we think that we got to be here for God to use us when God wants us to grow to the point where our here is wherever he is. Right? Right? Our here is wherever he is and wherever he has us now. Such that we can be fully present where we are, not wishing the whole time we were somewhere else. Right? So sometimes that here or that place for us to go is to be present right where we are, knowing that the Holy Spirit can use us as our knowing itself in that place. We all got a purpose. We all have a people. All of us have a tribe that God intends for us to be a unique blessing to. And chances are the tribe God wants you to bless is the tribe he called you out of. <laughs> you know, your real people, not church people. Your real people. What tribe did God call you out of? The text says that Tabitha's tribe was widows. Acts chapter 9, verse 39, it says, All the widows stood beside with the garments. So she wasn't just making garments, she was making garments for widows. Is it possible that Tabitha was widowed? Maybe she knew the pain of losing a lover. And so maybe she made clothes not just to give to women, but maybe she made healing garments to give to women with broken hearts. (laughs) Once you start to find who your people are, it starts to make what you do that much more meaningful. Who are your people? Who is your tribe? Who is the group that God intends for you to be a blessing to? I've said this... A time or two, I'm going to say it again now. Whoever you God has sent you to bless today is likely who you were three to five years ago. (laughs) Whoever God wants you to be a blessing to is likely who he changed you from. So whatever despair you found yourself in three to five years ago, whatever you was praying yourself through, whatever you didn't think you was going to survive, whatever you can believe God let happen to you, whatever angered you, whatever almost made you not be forgiving to other people, whatever almost made you quit. Whatever that is, those are the people that after God has delivered you, he intends to send you back to them (laughs) to keep it 100 Anointed people are commissioned inside to be sent outside of number three and I'll be done. God's love is experienced inside the church but spreads outside. The reason I like this church at Antioch is because verse 26 of Acts 11 says, for an entire year they met with the church, taught considerable numbers of people, and the disciples were first called what y'all? Christians in Antioch. So if y'all want to know why we're called Christians now, It's because the people in Acts 11, the people in Antioch were so much like Christ that people started calling them little Jesuses. (laughs) Christians. This was a special place. The love of God was so evident in their their gathering. It was so evident in their culture that people who didn't know them started saying, y'all just like that dude (laughs) who rose from the grave. Y'all no longer followers of the way. Now you are Christians. You, you love Jesus'. because you, you love like him. You give like him. You forgive like him. Your faith reminds me of his faith. Your faithfulness reminds me of his faithfulness. And the Holy Spirit is showing up in you so powerfully that even if I don't have the words to describe it, I can't deny it. That it's something foreign to me that I see. So i to just say, you, you little Jesuses. And that love of God started inside that church, but it spread outside. It's like the values of a good family. I thought it was interesting that Zeblin would sing a song about home as we look hopefully towards our eternal home. But in the temporal, in between the here and now, what space do we have like a home where the values we share uniquely define how we re-enter the world. I hope that this church can be that for us. That this can be a place where the values of God and the love of God are so authentic, so vibrant. Perfect? No, because it's impossible to be. Vibrant, real, authentic? Yes. The Holy Spirit is on that. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. That that love can be so vibrant inside that when we go outside, people start being like, What's different about you? Do you know what you're going to say? Yeah, I go to this church. church. Oh, I don't do church. I do not do church. I bet the pastor Java Bentley, don't he? You know all they're doing is trying to take your money. <laughs> you just be like, a lot of churches, yeah, but this church, no. Values that reflect the love of God, that when we send out that love spreads through us. Authentic and unconditional. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you would.